Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes to make sure that the amount that you're detoxifying, the amount that you're removing is works with that detoxification pathway, that it's open enough to deal with the amount of crap that you're going to be releasing. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health-conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. You know, I've really spent some time reflecting on my own phases of burnout this year and past years, and I know I'm not the only one that has gone through or goes through these peaks and valleys. And while sometimes you need lows to appreciate the highs in life, some valleys are pretty difficult for both your mind and your body in a very literal physical way. This year, I'm feeling really pulled to help others work through burnout, nourish their adrenals, mind, body, and spirit, and have some incredible things in store to help you feel refreshed and renewed. I invite you to take my quiz, Are You Approaching Burnout?, to assess your stress resilience and find out more about how to help you overcome it. Go to kristabigler.com forward slash burnout to take that quiz, and it'll also be in the show notes. All right. Today on The Lester's Life, we have a return guest on purpose, Dr. Evan Hirsch, who's a world-renowned fatigue expert and is the founder and CEO of the International Center of Energy and Fatigue. He suffered from fatigue for five years before he achieved resolution using the Fix Your Fatigue program that he pioneered in his medical practice. And through his best-selling book, podcast, and online programs, he has helped thousands of people around the world optimize their energy naturally, and he's on a mission to help one million more. He also helps licensed functional medicine providers transition to a successful virtual practice so that they can have a more impact, more success, and a greater quality of life. He is board certified in family medicine and integrative medicine, and when he's not at the office, you can find him singing musicals, dancing, and playing basketball with his family. Welcome, Dr. Hirsch. Krista, thanks so much for having me back. This is why I was talking to you off air about Clubhouse, which if you're listening to this, you've probably heard it by now. It's the newest, I guess, aka it is social media because it's literally like you have in-person networking conversations just via audio and you like bounce into a room. You're like, eh, this isn't for me. Bounce out of a room. Anyway, I was in this health professional one last night and there was a guy. He was not a doctor. He was starting a company, looking at food allergy, whatever. He was like, he's trying to meet people. And anyway, in these clubhouse bios, they're so long in a good way. And so a lot of times you'll see at the bottom, like when I'm not in doing medicine, 
I'm singing musicals. And so anyway, they were talking, they were having a tangent about some kind of Disney musical thing. And that's why I was like, that's why you should get on here and meet these people that are just like you. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. That is, I could not remember why I wanted to tell you. So Dr. Hirsch, I really enjoy him. He came on for post-COVID fatigue. We had a great conversation about mitochondria and different things. At that time, he told us a little bit about his story. But I think it's worth, in case you don't want to go back and listen to post-COVID fatigue and you just have fatigue now and you're like, hey, let's bring me up to speed here, Krista. Let's go through your story really quickly because that is so commonly and I think often it is important to have your own story. And that is the thing that brings us again, to integrative medicine very often as conventional practitioners is our own story kind of like running out of options and realizing there's more than this. Like there's a lot more than this. And so I think that's kind of how you made your foray into integrative medicine. If I remember, so I want you to fill that in for us. And I think there's just something about having a personal experience that gives you such a deeper, intimate knowledge of an issue than not having it. So tell us a little bit about your story before we jump into fatigue. Absolutely. So I was first touched by fatigue when my older sister had it. She came home from college, she worked for a little bit, and then she was crashed out and really didn't come out of her room. I was, I think, a sophomore or junior in high school, and we didn't really get on much at that time, and we were off doing our own things. And so I didn't really understand what was happening, but I did know that she went to an iridologist, got her iris red, changed her diet, and that made a really big difference for her. So I was, you know, I scratched my head. I was like, all right, that was interesting. And then as I was going through medical school, I always had a lot of questions from my attendings that they really couldn't answer. And I got interested in more holistic, integrative medicine, did some trainings in hypnotherapy and learned more about Native American healing and then acupuncture, yoga, and then got out of uh, medical school into residency, met my wife fell in love like the first couple months of residency, and then she was sidelined with chronic fatigue for the next three years. And there really wasn't much at that time. We're talking about 2004. And there wasn't much information. She went to a naturopath and actually brought the book, the Adrenal Fatigue by Wilson book, to this naturopath and said, hey, I think I have this. The naturopath did some reading and ordered some lab tests, and her cortisol was flatlined, which you know, at that time, that was really helpful. She started taking some adrenal stuff. We got a sauna. Three years later, she's, you know, 80% better and, mm -hmm. can, and can function really well. But that was really challenging for me because here I am. I'm training in family medicine at that time. I'm working in the hospital. I'm asking all of my attendings and everybody that I can talk to about my wife, how to help her. And there's really not much. You know, it's kind of like thyroid, liver disease, heart disease, lung disease, cancer. Those are kind of like the reasons why you would have fatigue, but there's not these more common things that we're going to talk about today. So I felt very powerless. I couldn't help this person I loved. And so it, it piqued my interest, but I'm still working 80 hours a week and I didn't have the time to really explore that as in depth. Just so happens we get married, have a child. I start my practice. I graduate residency, not necessarily all in that order. And then I end up three years later getting fatigue in 2010. And it lasted for 2015 and just about destroyed my life, just about destroyed my business. I had to keep hiring people to do my job because my brain fog was so bad. I couldn't remember the person sitting in front of me. I could only operate for a couple hours a day. And then I've got this newborn baby at home, can't help out my wife, can't do any dishes or anything. I'm just lying on the couch. My wife has just gotten over fatigue. I mean, it just wasn't pretty. Our relationship was struggling. I didn't have a good relationship with my daughter. She wanted to play with me. All I could do was lie on the couch. So that was really challenging. At that moment, I'm like, all right, I know that if I can find the root cause of fatigue, then I can fix it. And that was my first mistake. 
what I found, ended up finding, was that there were 10 causes of fatigue and that everybody who has fatigue has 8 to 10 of those causes. And so that was the mission that I went on was to find all of the causes of fatigue. And as I found my causes and fixed them, I got better and better and better until I'm doing great today. Yeah. I don't envy you, though, for having those issues uh, for that long. (laughs) And also, it was a surprise that it didn't happen sooner. I think sometimes God gives you what you need at the right time because, I mean, you know, you could say that in any which way. But I don't know if you could have handled being in that state when you're trying to take care of your wife and go through school and trying to finish school, you could have been broken in a much earlier time, which would have kind of damaged the whole trajectory of your career. I actually interviewed someone this week. He wasn't going to med school, but it was his master's. And he ended up with Lyme that first semester. So he just took a two-year sabbatical for healing. But not everyone can do that, right? Um, right? But at least you were able to finish med school. And it's interesting because I think sometimes this is the challenge. It's like the way life is, I think you had to have intuitively and innately known that you could have been headed for the same path as your wife, maybe. But you were like, well, I can't deal with that right now. And that's a typical thing that happens is like, I'm just gonna maybe push past that fear or that concern because I don't have an option, I think is a very real problem. Now, looking back on your wife in 2004, I mean, you met her and then she kind of landed in this spot. And I know her cortisol was flatlined, so it's definitely adrenal stuff. When you look at her life right before that, was it like running nine zero? She doing school and whatever? Because I see a lot of people will tell you that they can almost track like it started here. And I talked to a lot of people where it started in school. Like I was up all the time studying, like didn't sleep that much. So if you look back, like, could you very clearly see, oh, yeah, this is what built up and caused this burnout, this flat line for you, honey? Well, yes and no. So, I mean, now in hindsight, yes. But oftentimes when people are seeing symptoms, it's because there's a straw that broke the camel's back. But up until that point, there have been either stressors of mental, emotional, or physical elk, where basically you've got these stressors that are coming onto the body, and then it just takes one more stressor, and then all of a sudden you have symptoms. So generally when people are like, I knew that this was the moment where all of a sudden I started to feel bad, it's like, yeah, that's great, but things were building up until then. It's usually not just one thing. But for her, she was working a lot. She had her own public health business, consulting business, where she was consulting for the tobacco cessation program here in Washington State. And she had a deliverable every month. She had a couple of employees. Before I met her, she was single and she was excited about her work and she would, you know, sleep a couple of hours per night, wake up and be really excited and just like work from 3 a.m. until midnight and then back to bed. Maybe it was 10 o'clock or whatever, but she still wasn't getting a lot of sleep. But that was okay at that time. And she was renovating fixer-upper and like doing all sorts of things. And so there was definitely that. But then there was also toxic relationships. There were infections. There was parents divorced at a very early age. There was trauma. You know, there's a number of these different components, mold exposure, heavy metals, you know, all that sort of stuff, where all of a sudden, then she meets me, we become intimate, we share our bugs, and then she's flatlined. Mm -hmm. So and that's really common for couples to have that issue where that timing where you meet somebody, you're intimate with them. And then like in the next six months, somebody crashes, if not, both of them start to have issues. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because that's such a big topic. I had 
that's always a conversation I'm having with someone. And I can't believe how much more people are even becoming slightly more self-aware. They say, when I started dating this person, my health declined. <laughs> you know, I finally started to see that, realize that, yeah, that could have been really the impotence to my problems as well. Like it really declined after I had met my husband, probably. Because as you said, we share a lot of bugs. And it's always funny too, because I think when you get to the point where you need to change health, because it's what you're doing right now doesn't work, you do have to look at the other things surrounding you. So I do work with children. And sometimes like I like five and under preferably because when they're between five and, you know, 18, they have their own mind about things, you know, and you also have like two clients. But I think when you go out to do anything, you have to focus on yourself, but you have to be considerate of who you're with proximity because we're very affected by proximity, you know, with everything. Proximity can motivate us and it can hinder us a little bit like what we put close to us. So it's a good way to think about it anyway. I agree. Glad you brought it up. Okay, let's start at the beginning on how someone knows they have fatigue. Because I think also, the annoying part is kind of like probably, I mean, yes, you hit a terrible bottomed out place where you couldn't get off the couch and you couldn't function and it just all hit you like a sack of bricks. But undoubtedly, it was building before that. I'm sure you had signs of things building. And so often, the resistance is I seem to have some warning signs, but I'm going to go ahead and push through those because I don't have time to stop. Like someone literally commented on my Instagram yesterday about a post about burnout. She's like, this is me completely. How do I fix this quick? And I'm like, aren't you adorable? (laughs) It is such a quick fix, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to be so quick so you can get back to life. So I think it's important to define how does someone know they have fatigue? We can start at the intense end and work backwards or whatever. But I think we just need to stop and say, hey, it's before it's like an emergency too. Yeah, and that's a really good point is that there is this spectrum, you know, we're not necessarily talking about chronic fatigue syndrome or myalgic encephalitis, like, you don't have to be bedridden. There's this real gamut where if you're surviving on caffeine, coffee, pop, five hour energy, whatever it is, but it's really fatigue is tiredness that's not relieved with rest. You know, when we were 18 or 20 and we were studying for our finals, we burned the candle at both ends and then all of a sudden we have our exam and then we go home and our parents don't see us for two weeks because we're basically sleeping that entire time. We eventually come out of it, right? And fatigue is basically having those stressors as chronic stressors and then we're not able to come out of it. Even when we're sleeping seven to nine hours of sleep a night, you know, we're changing. Most of the people that I see, they've already tried to change their lifestyle, they're eating better, Oftentimes they're meditating. I mean, my wife was a big time meditator for 10, 15 years, you know, perfect diet. She was gluten free before anybody else, like all doing everything right. You know, people are like, oh, I thought I was doing everything right. It's like, yeah, that's lifestyle stuff. You know, and as we'll talk about in a minute, like there's different levels of problems that people can have, but you can still have fixed your lifestyle issues and still have fatigue. Mm -hmm. Got it. I love that. Tiredness, not relieved with rest, because I think that's a really easy thing you can just underline and say, do I feel awake when I get out of bed in the morning? You know, it's another way to say that same thing. And I think a lot of people, if you feel like you have to have some coffee to get rolling in the morning, then you're kind of here, right? Um, (laughs) Or if you kind of wish you could take a nap in the afternoon, you're kind of here a little bit. So yeah, three o'clock comes around and you're like, oh my gosh, I need a cup of joe. I need a sweet treat. You know, I need to take a nap. Yeah, then you know that things are challenging. And, you know, all the causes of fatigue are also causes of things like 
autoimmunity and Alzheimer's and cancer. And so it's a harbinger. It is mm-hmm. a warning sign. Rant, 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 rant. Mm-hmm. Like it's time to pay attention because if you don't pay attention, there's going to be problems later on. Right. It's just that it can be a bit intangible. And, you know, sometimes like it's good to just observe our own selves. I now remember falling asleep in class in college. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about it at the time as being a big deal before everything kind of came to a head. And it's funny what brings us to our knees, right? Because you might have like, as you said, it's a warning sign. But until my whole face and hat neck and whatever was broken out, I was like, yeah, I already thought I was really healthy. <laughs> right? Because I was living in that health space. I mean, I was a health practitioner. So why wouldn't I be really healthy, of course, right? So it's it's kind of humbling, right? When we kind of realize, oh, yes, there was all those. But no one is here. Awareness, you're only as good as your knowledge and education, which is why people that listen to podcasts are so smart and awesome. Because, you know, they're looking to benefit. Like the more you know, the better you do. I think there's a saying about this. Something about you can only do as much as you know. I'll think of it later. All right. Well, as much as you implement, because you can know a ton. I mean, that's the the challenge we're having right now. You know, and we've got a a summit that's coming out in May, and we're actually creating a workshop to make it more practical because there's so much information that people are getting, whether it's podcasts or summits or whatever, but they're not implementing. Yes. Right. So you're only as good as what you implement. I would say, I don't know if that's the quote. Thank you. I like, (laughs) I appreciate that because, well, for me, I think awareness is a huge thing first, but you're right. Implementation is really the next level of change because when we become overwhelmed and I'm really into personality typing right now, my personality type, when you get overwhelmed, you just kind of numb out. And I think a lot of people would do that anyway. They're like, eh, (laughs) it's too challenging to do anything with that information right now. Or that's why I've really kind of kind of turned a shoulder to things like summits because they're too intense, too fast sometimes, right? And so I'm glad that you're trying to fill in the gap. Like we're getting fatigued by this. Didn't mean for the pun. We're getting fatigued by the information. So therefore, and granted, you know, when you are in a place of fatigue and you know that brain fog is a cofactor here, then being able to implement and actually extracting something is the most important part. Actually, in the same light, I did a class last week. It was like a 90 minute masterclass and the feedback was from health professionals or people that were a bit savvy. They were like, that was great. From people that were new, they were like, um, yeah, that was a lot of information. So I went through and just made cliff notes for them and sent them out because, you know, like we are all like this. We can listen to something once and people are not going to hear the same thing that you'd hear a second time. Anyway. All right. I want to talk about you, I think said there was 10 causes of fatigue and I want to talk about those 10 causes or what the 10 causes are. Is that okay? Yes, let's do that. So the 10 causes can really be broken up into deficiencies and toxicities. So deficiencies are things that are not in the body that are supposed to be in the body. And toxicities are things that are in the body that aren't supposed to be in the body. So deficiencies are things like hormones, deficiencies in the adrenals, which is cortisol producing hormone, which manages stress in the body, thyroid, sex hormones, talking about deficiencies in vitamins and minerals, right? Vitamin D, vitamin B12, those are really important ones. Magnesium and iron, very important minerals. Deficiencies or dysfunction in mitochondria. So it produces 70 to 80% of our energy in the body and every single cell except for red blood cells gets damaged by the toxicities and needs to be rejuvenated. And then we have deficiencies in lifestyle habits. So these are things like not enough water, not enough good food, not enough sleep, not enough movement. 
And those are the deficiencies. And then when we're looking at the toxicities, which is really where all this is about, because the toxicities actually cause most of the deficiencies, are toxicities in things like heavy metals. So 70% of all the lipsticks on the market have lead in them. 100,000 pounds of mercury are dumped into our oceans every year. Things like chemicals, 84,000 chemicals we're exposed to on an annual basis and most of those have not been appropriately evaluated by scientific bodies. Talking about molds, mold toxicity, which is a huge part of the work that I do and the things that I see. You know, 50% of all the buildings in first world countries have water damage and most of those have molds and other ecology that are living on them that are causing health problems. So that's heavy metals, chemicals, molds, and then infections. You know, the number jumped a couple years ago by the CDC from Lyme being 30,000 people per year to 300,000 new cases per year. And it's not just Lyme. It's now things like Bartonella, which is found in upwards of 50% of all domestic animals. You know, if you've been licked in the face by a cat or a dog, likelihood that you have Bartonella. You know, a lot of these infections you can also get through the placenta from your mom. You know, I got my Bartonella from my mom. Babesia, which is like a North American malaria that can cause cyclic fevers. Epstein-Barr virus, obviously, and now, you know, COVID-19 is causing this post-COVID syndrome and other sorts of conditions. And then allergies can definitely be a toxicity as well. Reactions, whether it's to foods or inhalants. Second to last one is negative emotional patterns. You know, the new definition of ACEs or adverse childhood events is really about anything less than nurturing. So anything less than nurturing can cause stress on the human condition, mental, emotional stress, and then eventually can lead to a chronic illness of some sort. And then the last thing is electromagnetic frequencies. Mm, go off on a lot of tangents here. My first all question right. is, did you have Lyme disease? I did. I had pretty much all of those causes. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Yeah. I am wondering... If Do you think that was one of the last things that happened? Or do you think there was other things that kind of caused it? Do you think you'd had it for a while? Yeah, I think I had it for a while. Absolutely. I grew up in New Jersey, bitten by ticks when I was young. Not really an issue until lived in a moldy environment, a couple of breakups, heavy metal exposure, more chemical exposure, you know, driving across country in the summer with, you know, hot water bottles you know, mm -hmm. that I would drink out of and then exposure to formaldehyde when I was doing gross anatomy lab and medical school. And yeah, I think it was pretty early. Yeah, stuff just building up. I'm going to reiterate, I love that you put it into two buckets, deficiencies and toxicities and toxicities cause deficiencies. I love it. I was literally just talking to someone yesterday, like, we got to remove the things that are creating the problems and add things back from the problems that were created. And that's what you said was a bit more eloquent. <laughs> so <laughs> hormones, adrenals, thyroid, sex hormones in specific related under the hormone umbrella, but different nutrients, which are, nutrients are a huge deal. Sometimes they're not the root cause, right? If you have a B12 deficiency, that may be because of that. It may be because of the gut infections, magnesium, iron. Minerals are such a, they're a real lovely balance that can be kind of hard to replete. Mitochondrial dysfunction, which we talked about a little bit more in our last episode. And then lifestyle. So these lifestyle habits can be a challenge. We talked about heavy metals, chemicals, mold infections, and you went off on some specific infections. So if you think about someone who's got that 
I highlighted cyclical fevers because if you think about people who that's an ICD 10, I think I don't remember what it's called periodic fever syndrome, right? Like uh-huh. we don't know why we have this every month at the same exact interval. I've known a couple of people with that. And I'm glad you brought up ACEs. I hadn't heard that in a while, adverse childhood events, anything less than nurturing. So my questions remain. This one is a little bit challenged. I've been paying attention. I've been hearing more about Things that happen under this age of seven can be a big deal. How do you help clients? I know you have a program around this. This is a big topic, right? So like, do you just refer them to resources for this? Or how do you help them figure out that they might have childhood trauma creating negative thought patterns currently? Or do you just have them assess negative thought patterns currently and then work backwards? We just fix them. We just assume that everybody does. Mm. And so we start off with a lot of mindset work. And then included in our program is a NARM practitioner, neuroaffective relational model for trauma. And so this is somebody who's actually trained. They're not going back into their past in order to relive it. You know, they're very conscious about re-traumatizing people. This is actually what my wife is trained in as well. And she has offers uh, meditations for people who are going through our program and different mindfulness training. In addition to this other person, Martha, who is providing the one-on-ones in our program. You know, and a lot of this is putting them into parasympathetic. The challenge is that people are stuck in their fight or flight and they're sympathetic because of this trauma. And it's like, it's just about shifting the human organism. And it's not about, we don't care the reasons why, right? We just want you to be able to see from a mindfulness perspective, like what comes up, what are you noticing in your body? And then how do you transform it? So we do that in a number of different ways. Cool. Also, you brought up another one that's kind of you know, hot, but also hard to find sometimes great sources and resources from which was electromagnetic issues, electromagnetic frequencies, EMFs. So I'd love for you to just help people understand what that is. And when we started having awareness around what it is, how this can create some issues and imbalances, maybe. Yeah. So electromagnetic frequencies is pretty much come from anything that has a battery. It can release either magnetic rays, different kinds of radiation, and the challenge is that it damages DNA. And anything that damages DNA will cause an immune reaction in the body because oftentimes when you damage the DNA, the DNA is then leaking out from the cell. The immune system sees it, reacts to it, and then you get inflammation. So obviously, inflammation is a big catchword. It just means the immune system reacting to something that ends up causing the immune system to try to remove it. If it can't remove it, you get stuck in this on position, and inflammation is pain and dysfunction. So we always want to remove anything that is in the body that's not supposed to be there, right? Those toxicities that we talked about. So it's just another layer. And the question is, how much are EMFs affecting us? And oftentimes we don't know. Mm -hmm. But we know that they're affecting us. And we know that there are some people who are more affected than others. So I have had clients who they're driving in a car and they're like, there's a power station around the next corner. And sure enough, they can tell because their feet went numb. Mm. Yeah. So there are people who get neuropathies and oftentimes, and this person ended up having this sort of sensitivity or what's called electromagnetic hypersensitivity syndrome or EHS. But that came from cleaning a boat with simple green and having a really significant exposure a year prior. And then all of a sudden the toxicities build up and then EMFs become an issue. So generally, as you remove toxicities out of the body, this electromagnetic hypersensitivity syndrome gets better. Mm. Now, you still want to, you know, like 
decrease the amount of Wi-Fi you're exposed to and making sure that you've got, you know, whole house things to get rid of dirty electricity and all that. And so there are certain things that we recommend. You know, I don't want people spending a lot of money on things that aren't working or things that aren't the most important. So we always want to go with the biggest bang for the buck. But then it's kind of like, okay, these are best practices. And if you can then take the next step and, you know, spend more money, then you can do some higher end things. But it's just an important practice. Having a good anti-radiation cell phone case can be really helpful. Trying to hardwire your home instead of using Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And also maybe doing a timer on your Wi-Fi router overnight, right? So you're not sleeping without right next to it. Turn it off every night. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. I mean, sometimes when we get into the root causes of things, it's like, ugh. Sounds depressing, Dr. Hirsch. <laughs> However, I do like when it's really, when it's really, I think you take a positive spin on it too. Cause when you have these two buckets, deficiencies and toxicities, and you say, and I appreciated you mentioning how that person got to that point, because I'm always an over simpleton too. It's like, you know, I, people always come with their food stuff to me and it's like, well, I seem to be reacting to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but if you just fix how your body processes it, you'll be fine. You know, you don't have to avoid. XYZ food group, like weird food group no one's ever heard of. <laughs> because if you just fix how it's processed, it'll be fine. So um, mm-hmm. so I appreciate your positivity as well, because that's the approach I would like to take. I just wanted yeah. to mention, just going back one question about the ACEs and having this nervous system retraining coach that we have on staff who practices NARM. A lot of people are like, you know, I don't need that. And I was the same way. I had rejection of a peer group when I was 12 or something like that. Like, that is less than nurturing, and that has had a significant impact on my life. So a lot of people think that, you know, I haven't had trauma. Consequently, I don't have to work on my emotional state. I'm fine. We all need to work on our emotional state, whether you're going from, you know, traumatized to functional or functional to optimal or optimal to amazing, right? We're all kind of on the spectrum, and we all want to keep getting better. So you can only get better by working on that stuff. And I just want to make sure that people aren't dismissing that out of a hat because they're like, I haven't been traumatized in the way that I think trauma is. I really appreciate you bringing that up for sure. And I would actually like to ask now that you brought it up again, if how it is similar or if it is very different from DNRS or limbic retraining. Uh, It's different in the sense that, I mean, it's mindfulness-based practice with limbic retraining there are movements associated with it. It is a daily practice and there are words associated with it. So a lot of times it's like, I'm going to totally butcher it because I haven't done any limbic system retraining, but it's like you take a step forward and you say something and you take a step back. But it's like there's an hour long process per day with some of these programs, depending on which DNRS or limbic system retraining program that you do. Gupta is a little bit more flexible than the Annie Hopper program up in Canada. But the limbic system retraining programs can be very helpful. And it's kind of in the same vein because we're retraining the limbic system, retraining the nervous system, but it's done in a little bit of a different way. Cool. Let's spell again NARM. It's neuro something. Neuroaffective relational model. So affect has to do with mood, A-F-F-E-C-T, neuroaffective relational model for trauma. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least in my sphere right now, I feel like this is getting a lot more lip service, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It should be. Yeah, I'm glad. Okay. So we talked about causes of fatigue. 
Let's talk about chronic infections because we just talked about causes. You mentioned chronic infections. You talked about Babesia. Let's talk about some other chronic infections that people have, maybe some signs and symptoms. For example, with Lyme, this is very challenging because from another expert I interviewed on Lyme, a lot of times the testing is not always going to be very good. And his opinion was that like the only good test was very, very expensive. So he just, you know, if all the symptoms, if the symptoms quacked like a duck, he just treated it like a duck sort of. So I'm curious right. about in Lyme, like we think about joint pain and headaches and different things. Did you have those as well? Let's talk about some other chronic infections. So when we talk about Lyme disease, we kind of have to talk about a number of different infections. It's no longer just Borrelia. Mm -hmm. You know, we can say Lyme and co-infections or whatever, but I just want to be clear when I'm talking about Lyme disease, I'm talking about a number of infections that kind of travel with Lyme or kind of under this umbrella of like stealth infections. And so Lyme from Lyme, Connecticut, explored or found from juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. So kids getting these joint pains back in Lyme, Connecticut in the 80s. Dr. Bergdorf was the pathologist who went on out there and found the bug. And he, of course, he named it after himself, Borrelia burgdorferi, right? And so in terms of diagnosis or in terms of identifying which kind of infection you have, I'm definitely in line with the other individual that you spoke with. And even the CDC says that Lyme and these co-infections are actually clinical diagnoses, which means based on symptoms. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the labs are not great. Now, when you look at the symptom, and this is really exciting, I really enjoy speaking about infections because this is one of the ways that I really shift the needle. And you mentioned about being positive. I am very positive about all this because I've never met anybody who found all of their causes, fixed them, and didn't resolve their fatigue. Like you just have to find your effing causes. Like a lot of people are so focused on, you know, what's the next treatment? Is it IV ozone or IV vitamin C or whatever it is? It's like, no, 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 no. Don't focus on that. Focus on the numerous causes you have because a lot of people are also like, I've got Epstein-Barr virus and that's everything. It's like, no, you're mm -hmm. missing the boat. Okay. Or I have MTHFR and that's everything. Right. I feel like people, exactly. People always, you know, accidentally pigeonhole themselves just because it's not anyone's fault, right? It's just what you learned about. Right. Yeah. I think I have a YouTube video that I did a couple of years ago entitled MTHFR, not everything or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same. Or is it everything? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Coming back to the symptoms, let's talk about Borrelia. So you really can't have Borrelia or classic Lyme if you don't have a couple things. You have to have symptoms that move around the body, okay? So we're talking about like joint pain, muscle pain, nerve pain that one day is, let's say, in your shoulder, and then the next day or the next week or the next month, it's in your knee, okay? So if it's not moving around the body, really can't have Borrelia. The other thing is those symptoms have to come and go. So one day, okay, next day, crap, right? And what's important to note about that as well is oftentimes when people get better, they're just getting more good days. It's not like the crap days get better. Mm. You just get more good days. You know, this month, you've got one good day per week, and then next month, you've got two good days per week, and then the next month, you've got three good days. Really? You know, so instead of, but those bad days are still really awful. So it can be debilitating psychologically until you realize this. But that's Borrelia. And there's really nothing else that causes that those sorts of symptoms. And so if you have those symptoms, then it is very likely that you have Borrelia. Okay. Bartonella. Bartonella, like I mentioned, about 50% or so, upwards of 50% comes from domestic animals, comes through the placenta. All these can come through the placenta. They can come from anything that takes a blood meal. It can come from sexual activity. It can come from blood transfusions. 
And so they're really ubiquitous. And so then the question is, well, why do they come out? I mean, it's also important to remember that 90% of our biome in our bodies, our cells in our bodies, are bug cells. 10% are human cells, 90% are bug cells, right, which always drives people crazy. Right. And so always so shocking to them. And so this is why it's so important that it's all about balance. A lot of these bugs we have, but it's only until you get heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections, allergies, negative emotional patterns or whatever that builds up. Where all of a sudden you get your symptoms. Right. I love it. You know, I've seen people where they get car accidents and then they get symptoms that result from the car accident, even though there's no reason why they should have these symptoms. And you start treating infections and those symptoms go away. It's so weird. It's like chronic headaches that I got from this car accident or whatever it is, you know, eventually resulting in a, it's just a stressor, a physical stressor and a psychological stressor. But then all of a sudden allowing these bugs to become more opportunistic. Yeah. Well, let's talk about why that happens, right? Because we've created now our immune system is so darn awesome. It's always trying to protect us. So it's going to try to create this balance, even though these organisms shouldn't be there, they don't need to be there. So it's going to try to like create this new normal for you. So sometimes you feel like crap. And then you have like this major stressor, the straw that breaks the camel's back, like the car accident, and it basically activates or allows this to take over because the immune system is, let's say, the immune system through the stressors becomes it's like, I can't do it you know, and so it just allows it to essentially become, it's kind of like when they talk about reactivated anything. I don't know that it was deactivated, but I'm just saying things can hang out kind of under the surface and then rear their ugly heads, right? Um, right. I also want to talk about with Borrelia and Bartonella, why the symptoms come and go. And is it because we think that these organisms, they have their life cycle inside your body so that their increase in symptoms are going to happen with, you know, kind of like how they're flourishing in the body in general? Or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, part of it has to do with their different phases. Mm-hmm. You know, Borrelia has like three phases. Bartonella has a couple of phases, you know, depending on where they're living and then what the environment looks like and what else is present. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of it just has to do with their own cycles that are happening inside the body. Cool. I could go off on and talk about that for a long time, but that's not the total purpose of our conversation today. So I will come back to, I think what's important for us to kind of Make sure we're hitting home because we've talked about causes. We talked about all the things. We need to know what do you do first? And you mentioned it. You said you got to remove the things that are causing a problem and you got to add things to help replete the deficiencies that it caused. But how do you, one, get started? And I loved this question that you had, you offered. You said, so just think about this too. When do you know you can't help someone with fatigue? I think that is such a fun question as well. Yeah. And I just want to finish off the last question just with Bartonella and Babesia real quick, just because I think symptoms are important for people to be able to identify. So Bartonella, generally people are going to have pain on the bottom of their feet, typically misdiagnosed with plantar fasciitis. And sometimes this is just, it can be really bad pain or burning, but sometimes it's just you want to put slippers on when you come out of the bed in the morning because you've got sensitive bottom of the feet. People are also generally having muscle cramps, usually in the calves, Usually at night, they can go away with magnesium, with potassium, with, you know, eating a banana or whatever, with taking quinine. But those are just band-aids because the reality is that most of the time it's Bartonella. People who have been misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia, oftentimes Bartonella because Bartonella likes to live in the muscles. People who have chronic migraines, oftentimes Bartonella. Sleep issues, some anxiety, some depression thyroid issues. In fact, the only way that I've ever been able to get people off of thyroid medicine is by treating Bartonella. And then I've been able to, I mean, it's crazy serendipity. I'd start treating somebody from Bartonella early on. 
all they call me up after hours and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm having all these symptoms and I can't figure out what's going on. I said, when was the last time you experienced this? And she said, when I was hyperthyroid, when I had Graves disease. And I'm like, crap, you're hyperthyroid. She's on thyroid. I was like, well, let's start weaning you down off your thyroids, you know, and that fixed it. And as we got rid of the Bartonella, we were able to get them down completely off of their thyroid. But a lot of times it's, you know, about 50% of the time I would say they were able to get people down by 50 or 75%. So those are a lot of the symptoms that people can have from Bartonella. You don't have to have all of them. You can have some of them, but usually the foot pain as well as muscle cramping are kind of like the big ones. And then Babesia is the North American malaria that causes those cyclic fevers. Oftentimes, people are reporting spontaneous sweating and spontaneous heat. You know, it'll be like 30 degrees out and they'll be outside shoveling snow in the t-shirt. They're like, oh, this is perfect for me. They're always the hottest person in the room and they generally will have awful sleep and they will have anxiety to the point of panic, oftentimes having panic attacks and depression to the point of suicidal thoughts. And then sometimes they'll have some shortness of breath and or a chronic cough. But those are, you know, once again, you don't have to have all those symptoms. You can have just a couple of them. But that's where going after Babesia can be incredibly helpful and kind of figuring out this balance between the two, something I call the whack-a-mole effect, where when you start going after one of them, sometimes the other one pops up and you need to be addressing that one as well. But, you know, that's really some of the most fun that I have in this job because that really shifts the needle more than anything is really, I mean, besides working on mold, but working on these infections are really powerful. I love it. You know, you said something I want to touch on before we move on as well. You talked about in the 1980s. Yeah, the guy who found. (laughs) All right. It's funny because we have a whole episode. It was another podcaster I really love. Her daughter, she was diagnosed with RA. And so her mom's just like, I do not believe this. This doesn't even make sense. And it's Lyme disease, right? And so she's doing so much better. Did he have research that was published in that time? Yes. Okay. I have to look for that. Isn't that sad, right? Like this happened in the 80s and we still don't recognize it as like, this is for sure something you should check first 40 years later. Oh, it's a bummer, right? Especially because it's right. kids that are really affected. Well, well, I think a lot of it that has to do with just the poor testing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just a note on that, you know, like the testing for infections generally has been looking at the immune system's reaction to an infection. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the immune system isn't functioning appropriately? Mm-hmm. Guess what? You don't get good testing, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of people test and they're like, no, you don't have Lyme. Mm-hmm. They're not even looking at the person's symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right? I did this to my husband. We'll talk about that later. So it's like, nope, <laughs> you were, f- nope. Everyone thought you had, li- nope, you don't have Lyme, honey. Look. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. Let's talk about like, your answer might just be remove toxicities, start with the big hitters, replace deficiencies. That might be like where you start, right? I don't know, whatever your answer wants to be. Where do you start helping someone with fatigue? And then finally, how do you know when you can't help someone with fatigue? Yeah, so my four-step process, the first step is all about finding the causes. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, we've talked about all these causes, and so you must must be thinking or might be thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to spend so much on labs and blah, blah, whatever. Fortunately, I have found that 75% of these causes can be determined by your symptoms alone. I knew I liked okay. you. I feel this way as well. It's like, I do think that labs are great and people love the objectivity and they want to see it, but you have to rely on symptoms even more so because labs are imperfect. So thank you for stating that as well. 
I mean, even in medical school, I learned this, you know, 90% was supposed to be history and symptoms and 10% is labs and physical exam. But docs forget that when they come out of medical school, you know, and they start getting so reliant on their labs. So yes, that's what we do in the first step. So generally, when somebody starts my program within an hour or two, they just fill out the checklist and how to go through it. And they listen to the education, the recommendation sections, and they can determine 75% of their causes, and then they know what labs to get in order to figure out the other causes that they have. Step two is replacing the deficiencies. Now, big picture is this is all about the toxicities in step four. So then why, Evan, are we replacing deficiencies in step two? Well, in order to be successful in step four, we have to do step two and step three. So we have to replace the deficiencies in nutrients and hormones and mitochondria and lifestyle habits all that sorts of stuff, because everything is going to work better when that happens. Okay. And then step three is opening up the detoxification pathways in liver, in kidney, in bowel, in neurolymph, which is the brain lymph, so that we can grab these toxicities, pull them into the lymph system and actually get them out. Otherwise, you're going to be FOS full of stuff. And it's just going to go right back into another compartment. I love it. Right. It's like pouring a bucket or you have a funnel and you're pouring too fast into that funnel, what happens? It overflows, right? Or if if there's a stopper in that funnel, it's just going to overflow, right? You have to make sure that the amount that you're detoxifying, the amount that you're removing is works with that detoxification pathway, that it's open enough to deal with the amount of crap that you're going to be releasing. Which is part of why you had to replace deficiencies, part of it. So you had some raw materials to do detoxification. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And then we go into the toxicities and very important to remove mold. First, mold and infections are really first and foremost, but all of them are important to work on. But they're the ones that really, they take the longest. I'd love to start with them first. But yeah, that's the program. It's a six-month program. And our goal is for you to double your energy by six months and to have a plan. Because some of those things in toxicities are all about can take six to 12 months. You know, if you've got mold in your body, it may take you six to 12 months of a nice slow detox, which is what I recommend, you know, getting rid of infections with as little die off as possible. I definitely believe that that is the way to do it. Small and steady wins the race. You know, we want five steps forward, one step back on this sort of process because there are bumps in this road. But at that six month mark, you've already got your plan that you know that you're essentially going to be doing for the next six months depending on the number of causes and the severity of the causes that people have. But that's the four-step process. And then your second question, I think, was when do I know I can't help people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it really, it comes back to the causes. So it's if somebody has addressed all of their causes and they have, well, they found all of their causes and then they also have fixed those causes. Number one, they really shouldn't have fatigue anymore. But number two, if they've used all the tools that I have, then I know that I can't help them. There's something else going on that I don't understand yet. You know, like the amount of knowledge that we have about the human condition is about this much in a stadium of 100,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. What's that stadium in Dallas? I don't know, it's like the biggest stadium, 100,000 people, right? So it's a lot of space, right? And so we know this much. But I also know that when I'm looking at those 10 causes, that I'm really addressing about 95% of those. And that I'm going to be a lot more successful than program that's looking at just one cause like Epstein-Barr virus or something like that. So that's how I know. And it's all about the causes. I love it. 
I love it. I love it. I really appreciate you. And I was going to ask, I was going to say, this isn't very quick. You know, like the person who commented yesterday, how can I do this quick? Like, yeah, funny. It's not quick. I wish it was, but uh, it depends on how deep it is and all the pieces related to that. So man, I had fun in this conversation. We could have went off on 10 more tangents. It was such a good time <laughs> talking about toxicities, deficiencies, the 10 major causes, really getting into neuro and trauma and making sure we're not excusing that as no one has that because everyone has some. And I interviewed someone else this week. And he said, you know, if I continue to see the same thing in multiple places, even though it's spun differently, I start to recognize that as a universal truth or as total truth. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so that's a kind of as what we we're talking about with the trauma, like everyone's got some things. So gosh, so much good stuff and lots of great pearls really about Lyme disease that people didn't even know they were going to get. So thank you so much for that. Dr. Hirsch, I'd love to talk about this more, but where can people find you online? So I am at fixyourfatigue.com, F-I-X-Y-O-U-R-F-A-T-I-G-U-E.com. I am in other places on social media. Check out my YouTube channel, but everything is really on my website. You can see, you can find my podcast on there, which Chris is going to be on shortly. You're going to be able to see all of the media that I've been on. So yeah, come check us out. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 